अजीब दोस्त मिले अजीब कहानी प्यार हो प्यार भी अजीब चाहते में अजीब लगता है यादाश्त भी कितनी अजीब चीज है अजीब बात है मैं हूँ आपका दोस्त और आपका होस्ट You know what it is. It's episode two of a Jeepsy Bot, the long-awaited episode. Did you guys miss me? Did you guys miss me? Because it has been a couple days. Has it been a couple uh, weeks? It's been about a couple months, like six months since uh, I dropped the first little intro episode. And bro, shit's been crazy. Um, life has uh been weird for everybody, right? Like you know, COVID. You got all this shit going on. You got more shit going on. Anyways,、uh, I'm back in Toronto after like spending the entire lockdown in Connecticut. Connecticut was wavy.、Um, as much as I shit on Connecticut, I love it to death. You know, my family's there, my friends are there, like the people I love the most, all in Connecticut, and it's wavy. A lot of、uh, COVID COVID memories are in Connecticut. I'm also in a new condo now in downtown Toronto. Alhamdulillah, it's beautiful. But yeah, man, I've been lazy. I haven't dropped an episode、um, for six months because,、uh, you know,、uh, bleh, yeah, I can't explain why I haven't. Actually, I, I can't explain. Let me give a little brief、uh, explanation. You know, as an artist, person who makes content,、uh, content creator, I struggle with perfectionism. So I only want to drop things or post things or publish things when they're perfect, and、uh, I spend too much time. On making things perfect, that it ends up not being made because I can't settle for less. And I had a good conversation with my friend Akash、um, about is it really worth spending all the time doing the tiny details when most people won't even notice it? And here I am, you know, trying to be a better version of me, creating things and publishing it,、um, being more createful, if that's a word. And before I continue, I just wanted to say that my thoughts and prayers are with everybody、um, through these crazy times. I know it hasn't been a, a joy ride like we all would have wished for. Things have gone far more left than we imagined, but、um, you know, gotta keep on, keep it moving, keep it pushing, and just hope for the best, pray for the best, be safe out there, be healthy, you know. And with all that said, let's、uh, dive in into the episode. So this is the first episode that I envisioned、uh, myself recording like three years back when I had the idea for Gypsy Bot, and、uh, three years later, we're doing it. You know, I had a first session of this recorded a while back, but I didn't end up finishing it. So here's my take two, and here's your take one. There's something special about Bollywood movies that makes me. Enjoy them so much more than Hollywood movies, and that definitely has to do with the fact that it's spoken in Urdu or Hindi, whatever you want to call it. And if it wasn't spoken in Urdu or Hindi, it just wouldn't hit. Like in, in Hollywood movies, you know, it's English, whatever, whatever. You know,、uh, of course I'm gonna watch them regardless, but they don't make me cry, right? They don't make me hurt. They don't make me.、Uh, 
motivated or inspired. They don't make me, uh, you know, feel something super duper crazy, right? But with Bollywood, um, even as a kid, I would watch these movies and feel something and start crying, or smile and laugh like outrageously. From what I remember, you know, I could be wrong, but like when I look back to the first Bollywood movie that I uh, watched and wholeheartedly enjoyed, it would be this one movie we're going to talk about today. And I watched this movie, you know, sitting down in the living room floor with my whole family, you know, the good old days, and I cried, full on cried, because I thought what happened on the TV screen was real. And maybe I was naive, I mean, I was naive. Um, but maybe that's why I felt something. But even to this day, I would watch movies. And I love watching Bollywood movies alone. Because, you know, it's a full-on experience. No distractions. It's not your mind telling you not to cry because someone else is in the room. When you're watching it by yourself, you're submerged. You're, you're in that realm. You know, you're very, what you call it, vulnerable. Right? And I love that. I love that feeling. Because not every day you can just be vulnerable and... And feel everything and think of, you know, everything else. You know, you're not clouded or you're not distracted by anything else. And that's definitely where I developed my, like, senti salu side. Where, you know, I was able to express, um, you know, all sorts of emotions that I wanted to without feeling, you know, ashamed or embarrassed for it. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, this is going to be a very warm sensitive cozy uh vulnerable episode where i'm gonna talk about a lot of things from my personal experiences um that relate to the theme of this movie and let's just get to it this movie is probably the first movie you cried to laugh to dance to um as much of a tearjerker it is it's a heart warmer it's definitely a movie you're never gonna forget it's gonna go down as one of the greatest movies ever made um, in Bollywood. It's my personal favorite movie. It's Kalhonaho. Cue the music. Just the melody, man. Did you guys cry right there? Like, did you guys get some goosebumps? Every time I hear it, and I try it so hard to only, like, I give myself doses of Kalono. Not, I don't watch it every, uh, every year. I can't watch it back to back, and I wait like five, six years to watch Kalono again, just because that's the closest thing I could do to make me feel like I'm watching the movie for the first time. And I would do anything in the world to be able to watch this movie for the first time. Um, because, wow, like, you know, it's such a special movie to me. So, we've all seen Kalohonoho. Um, and if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Kalohonoho, turn this off. Right? Because I'm not gonna... I don't want to deal with you. That's, that's negativity. I don't want to deal with your negativity. Get out of here. Go watch the movie. Go be cultured. Anyways, for those who have seen Kalohonoho... I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys what happened in the movie. You've seen the movie. You know what happens, right? 
I'm not going to talk about the technicalities and why it was so progressive of a movie back in like 2004. Uh, I'm going to do a little deeper dive and explore the themes of this movie that I think are beneficial to wrap your head around and get a better understanding of. Like every time I've seen Kalahonoho, I've seen it at least three, four times max. I've seen it with a different perspective. The first time I saw Kalahonoho as a semi-mature adult was when I was like 18. Um, and I was watching it in bed. It was like 1 a.m. in a random day. And I'm like, damn, I should watch this movie today. And it was probably one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life. Because I woke, I, you know, I finished the movie three hours later with like my face soaking with tears. And I felt so like alive in that moment. And the third and fourth time I watched Kalahonoho was this year. Completely different person than when I was 18 or 20 or whatever. Gone through so much trials and tribulations. So many ups and downs. So many experiences that made me more whole and more emotionally intelligent. More aware of everything. More sensitive. And that opened my eye to a whole new perspective. Uh... For Kalhonoho, maybe the the intention when, of how the movie was made and what it was targeted for. So I'm super thankful for that. I'm gonna start off with a breakdown of Amen's character in Kalhonoho. He's probably one of the only characters in any movie I've seen that I aspire to be, and I don't know why, man. I have a, a just a, a fascination with being the go-to guy or being such a lovable person by all right the charming dude that's what Amun is um in Kalahono he comes in as a stranger right and he leaves as someone who can never be forgotten right I think that's what's important um the fact that you leave a legacy like Amun's legacy in Kalahono it's it's insane right and I'll get back to this part because um it's important to note how Amun's personality, his behavior, the things he did left such a huge imprint on the, the lives of his family and friends, right? I never really noticed anything bad with Amun's character until now. Uh, he has no sense of personal space and he's kind of manipulative, but not in an ill-intended way. He definitely has, you know, positive, uh, good intentions, but it is kind of toxic, right? You want to get things your way, which is selfish, but then again, you are terminally ill, so you want to get things your way because it feels like nothing ever goes your way, right? And I'm not no uh, big astrologer. I can't really tell horoscopes like that, but I can only assume um, that he's definitely a Leo. I had to Google this up to figure out which personality uh, fits best with Elman, and definitely uh, he's a Leo, center of attention, you know, He's so vivacious and alive and everything has to be his world, right? And that's basically what he does in Kalhono. He takes this whole world, Nana's world, and turns it into his own world. And he tries to be the center of it with her. Does that make sense? I just confused myself. Now that we're all adults watching Kalhono, I read so many breakdowns of Gumman Mothra's character. You know, people just psychoanalyzing him. And saying he's toxic and yada yada, you know, he did this wrong, did that wrong, this and that, yada yada yada. But I just see the good in him. I mean, he's a young, handsome Shah Rukh Khan. It's hard not to fall in love with the dude. And I can tell you, ten out of ten, uh, ask anybody who's seen Kalahono as a kid, and they can tell you that he was a heartthrob in that movie. Even when dying, 
he was a heartthrob. Something about the way he acts in uh, Kalahono, it's like, you know, a staple movie for his legacy. A huge question is, what was Oman Mathur's profession? Like, what was his job? Because Nena and Rohit are, you know, getting their masters or whatever. Shout out to Rohit. His parents were from Connecticut. Gang gang. But yeah, what was Uman's profession? I have no idea. I mean, if you're dying, are you really working? I don't think so. Uh, he looks like an artist, like a painter. Maybe it was an orange parachute pants he wore that gave me painter vibes. But definitely, I have no clue what else he could have been. Um, so let me know what you think Uman Mathur's profession was in Kalahonoho. What was his career? What did he go to school for? He could have been a, it could have been a yoga instructor for all I know, right? Moving forward, a huge subject in almost every Bollywood movie is it's love. You know, Pyar, Mahabat, Ishq, all that. Um, I think the angle that Kalahonoho kind of takes it in is either being selfless or selfish when it comes to love because they're two both very important qualities to have um, you just gotta know when you want to use them right because if you're selfish with love you can get what you want but you can also push yourself away from what you want and I think the same goes with being selfless like you can either push away with what you want to settle for less or you know, you just don't take the opportunity and that pushes you away from what you want. So it, it's tricky. And I think, like, there's two angles that come to Kalahonoho, right? It's Aman's angle of being very selfless. And I think it's Nana being selfish when it comes to love. And I know I might sound like a, a Nana hater throughout the episode, uh, but it's true. The more I watch this movie, the more I don't like her. Because she's just a... He's just a weird character, man. Like, uh, I'll dive into it in a bit. So the first time Aman sees Nana, it's in the train station. When he passes by and like bumps into her, spilling the coffee and whatever, and he comes back to help her clean up. And that's sort of like a love at first sight moment, I think, for Aman. Uh, whether you guys believe it or not, do I believe it? Ugh. It really depends. I think love is such a complicated thing that saying love at first sight kind of diminishes all the complications of it, which I don't agree with at all. But I think like the minor feeling of love, definitely, if you want to call it love at first sight, it's definitely a real thing. And I believe it's Grand Central Station that this scene takes place in. Super hectic, super busy. You can go there any time of the day. I don't know about now with COVID. Pre-COVID days, super busy, super hectic. Uh, you're going to see a lot of people, right? So I'll share my personal story about my first uh, feeling at first sight experience. It was like 2017, Grand Central Station in New York City. And I got to meet a lady that I was uh, talking to and getting to know. Because you know how the internet works nowadays. You talk to somebody for like a couple of weeks or a couple of days, a couple of months. And then you see him because you don't want to waste your time and whatever so it's not as organic as you expect feeling at first sight to be but that was the closest thing and putting myself back in those shoes um i really thought you know this was it this is the one i don't gotta search no more i'm tired of all this bullshit when it comes to relationships and loves and hunting for the person or you know wanting to be in a relationship and all that stuff 
at that moment in time, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the beginning of my magical story, my love story. It's Grand Central Station. This is a Kalhonho moment for me. This is the Amun Mator moment for me, right? That's what I thought of. And I'm probably romanticizing the thought of it afterwards because in the actual moment, like, it's not like in movies where time freezes and the birds stop flying and it gets super quiet and it's just you making eye contact. It's more like a crowded moment. There's so much stuff going around. You got to make sure you have your phone in your pants. You got to make sure you're not losing your wallet. You got to make sure you're not bumping anybody. All that stuff. But the feeling of it, it's so warm and peaceful and relaxing. And it's like a moment where you basically, you know, project yourself in 30 years with this person uh, in your future house with your future kids and your gardening and and making sure what you're going to eat for dinner, right? That's what the love at first sight feeling is, or in my eyes, what it is. And you have to understand um, that what Amun does is very, very selfless, right? Because imagine this, you know, your world is upside down because you're about to die and your mom thinks that you're going to live longer, but you have no hope because the doctor said, you know, it's not going to work out. Right, so you're the, you're the only person being realistic here while everybody else is being optimistic. And you meet this girl named Nana whose life is so problematic, has so many issues, um, and you fix all the problems for her, right? And in that process, you fall in love with her and you realize that she falls in love with you. And that's what happens to Aman. And it's like the crazy thing about getting to know somebody is that days or even hours of talking to someone and getting to know them can feel like weeks, right? And this is like a little side discussion, but getting to know someone, bro, it's so exhausting. Because from my own experience, right? It's like relationships and dating, it's all trial and error, right? You talk to somebody, get to know them. If it doesn't work out, you move on. Right? Then you rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But bro, getting to know people, the older you get, man, the more annoying it is. Because like, I don't want to have to be 30 years old asking someone what their favorite color is, right? Like you just want to have to be in a relationship when you're younger so you can grow with that person. And I don't know where I was going with this. I just wanted to talk about how annoying it is getting to know people. But Nana finally finds somebody who fixes her problems in life. And she wants to be with him, right? And then she finds out that he's married. Boom. Imagine that. Your world just goes crumbling down. Like all the positivity that all got built up all for nothing is what I'm pretty sure Nana felt like. Like I would cry too. I will feel like shit. All this was a roller coaster ride, you know. I was going all the way up. And now I'm all the way back down, right? And poor Rohit on the side. He's seeing some random man steal his girl. And, you know, he's just begging for Nana to give him some sort of reaction, some sort of appreciation for his love, you know, and and to break down that friend zone. Because he's in the friend zone hard, like real hard, right? Like imagine someone not taking you seriously enough uh, to be a romantic partner, man. That's what it feels like. There's this one song that reminds me of Rohit and his entire dilemma of, you know, wanting someone to love him the way he loves them and you know 
making sure love is requited and mutual and all that stuff. And the song is uh, Not a Bad Thing by Justin Timberlake. It's one of my like favorite scenty summer songs of all time. Um, it's a bop. I, l- I can listen to it like nonstop like the entire day, right? And the main lyrics to the song are, don't act like it's a bad thing to fall in love with me. And let me tell y'all another story, right? So same shorty that uh, had feeling at first sight with. And we hung out a couple of times in the city. And looking back now, I'm not too sure why I did. There was something in the air that made me believe that I had a chance with her and I could be the one and she could be my one and all that stuff. So I remember this one time uh, I was whipping around in my Hyundai and uh, she's in the passenger seat. And I remember playing the music while we're on our road trip and I chose to play Not A Bad Thing. And I just remember, you know, I'm focused on driving, obviously, but I'm also focused on seeing her reaction to the lyrics of the song. And it hurts to think about because she had no sort of reaction whatsoever to the song and in my mind i'm like please 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 just look at me once and like you know while that lyric plays and just give me that look so i can understand that okay maybe you know we're on the same page but i didn't get it you know no sort of reaction that that even to this day that shit hurts and the lesson to learn from this is never put yourself in a position where you're begging someone for their attention or love because when I tell you it's not worth it, it really isn't worth it because it puts you at such a low point, right? Where you believe that, you know, there's something wrong with you. That you have to fix yourself. You have to change yourself in order to get that sincerity from someone else. And you have to understand that as cliche as it sounds, if someone wants you, they're going to want you, right? And if they don't, they won't. You can't just uh, force someone. You can't manipulate someone to wanting you. That's just not how the world works. That's not how we work. And like, I'm pretty sure you've seen tweets about this, Facebook statuses, right? And the hardest part, the hardest part is most humans don't take advice, right? I'm giving advice, you know, this is me personally. I'm giving you guys my personal experiences as advice. And I'm sure that you listen to it for sure. Will you apply it? No, I've done the same thing because we only learn best from our own experiences, right? You can listen to advice, give advice, but... People don't really take it. That's just how we are, right? Imagine how futuristic and peaceful the world would be if we all took each other's advice and made sure we didn't make the same mistakes that were made before. Like, that just blows my mind. If we worked like that, if we functioned like that, it would be a complete different world with less problems, less issues. But, you know, that's how the world works. We don't work that way. We're we're difficult people. We're, We're idiots, right? We like to make mistakes, so we can fix them to our own, you know, adjustments and make our own corrections our own way. One of the scenes in Colonel uh, that really hit home to me was actually in the music video, uh, the music video scene for Colonel title song, where you see Aman imagining his life as Rohit, right, and getting that love and affection and friendship from uh, Nana. And it's like, bro, when I was a kid. When I was younger, like in my teens, I would always imagine myself, you know, like what would life be if that person who I liked gave me all that attention to me instead? And ew, like it's such a gross thing to think about now because I would never do that now and imagine myself as someone else. Because like, you know, if it ain't meant to be, it ain't meant to be. And it sucked seeing it 
like in the movie because it's like an actual hopeless scenario where all you can do is think or imagine yourself as someone else. But I liked how the clips they used for that parallel universe is of Amun being late to meeting up with Nana, then Nana, you know, hugging him by the arm and going for a walk, whatever, all happy, dilly do. It's not of him imagining a future with Nana, but imagining a present um, with him being the friend. Because one of the best lines in the movie is like such an obvious one uh, about relationships and love. It goes, uh, right? You know, friendship is the first step for love and it's the last. And I think that's what Umman wanted out of everything. And like in, in that perspective, I would want the same thing. Like, you know, it's one thing to have someone as the love of your life. And it's one thing to have them as your friend. And the other thing, the worst is not having them at all. So what do you sell for a friendship, right? So I rambled on plenty of minutes without uh, trash talking Nana. So this is why Nana is selfish. Um, she chooses to be stingy and stubborn and think that the world is against her and that nothing's going to go right in her life. And like, she's a terrible friend to Sweet Do and she ignores the obvious that Rohit is infatuated with her, right? So she causes, I don't know, if, I don't want to give her the blame, but she allows an opening for her to fall in love with Aman, who can't get with her. And then when she finds that out, she has to cause all the stress and havoc in uh, Aman and Rohit's life. That leads to her getting with the first person that was in love with her, Rohit. So imagine this movie now with uh, Nana not being such a stingy, stubborn person. She would have gotten with Rohit a long time ago. And Aman would have realized that and he wouldn't have, you know, spent his final days or weeks in a random neighborhood in New York City, you know, helping out a, a random family. And he might have been uh, spending more time with his mom. So the diary scene, the diary scene has to be like, you know, one of the biggest uh, tearjerkers in the movie. I remember watching this as a kid and I had, I paid no attention to this scene because I didn't understand it. I'm like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now I'm thinking how crazy it is to confess your feelings for someone in order to help your friend get with that person. Like, just put that together. That's such a crazy... Like, that's what a maniac would do. A maniac. And that just shows how selfless Amun was in that moment. Call it selfish. It could be selfish. To confess your love for someone in front of the dude while the dude knows that he didn't even write it in his diary. Like, Rohit, Rohit has to be oblivious. Like, Rohit must have known that, damn, you know, this homie's crying next to a telephone booth. And he just confesses love to the girl I want to get with. But he's just acting and helping me out because, you know, sixteen Lartien. Like, if someone has ever done this in real life or ever been in a situation like this, please explain to me the, the circumstances. Because even in this circumstance, right, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't. I don't see the, I don't think the, the risk is worth the reward. It's just like a, a last dance. I understand that it is a movie, it's dramatized and like no one would ever do this, right? No sane human would ever do this. And if you do do it, I don't know if I should give you a Nobel Peace Prize or, you know, 
put you in a grave because that's the two extremes for this because it, it, it just, just, just doesn't make sense at all. Fast forward a couple scenes later, um, Rohit finally proposes to Nana and then Oman gets a phone call, right? And then he shares the good news that, you know, and all that stuff, right? And everyone's so excited. They're playing the Kalahonho melody. Meanwhile, Aman is just like crying in his mind, right? Like, have you guys ever been in that situation where you found out the person you wanted to be with got engaged or got married? Have you ever? I have. And it sucked. Like, I found out through Pinterest, right? Not because uh, the person posted about it. Not because that person told me. But because they have a mood board on Pinterest about their engagement. And I'm like, damn, it really happened, huh? It really happened. And I'm just sitting there like, huh? <sighs> okay. I didn't cry. I wasn't sad about it or anything. But it just hit me like, dang. Could have been me. It's not me. Okay. Like, I don't know how I would have reacted if that person had told me, hey, um, just wanted to update you. I got engaged. Like, if I either heard it from her or a stranger, I don't know how I would have reacted. Probably fake happy. Like, I don't know. It's weird seeing people you want to be with get with someone else. It's not weird. It's terrible. It's like a shitty feeling. It's super shitty, actually. Like, I don't wish that upon anybody else because this is like, you know what? Sad. It wasn't meant to be. Because we always think, you know, hopefully it's meant to be. Our hope meter is always on the max high. We always hope for things to happen. Even if we don't, like, expect them to happen or have, like, no faith in it we'll have some hope in the back of our mind that maybe it'll come true and then it doesn't come true you get that piece of you know that certification that it didn't come true and that sucks back to being told important news not from the person you should have heard it from that's what happens to nana and rohit when they find out through dr bria that aman only has a few days left to live that's such a big yikes like my heart would fall out of my body. I would I would lose my mind. I would probably go in shock if I found out that my best friend has been hiding a terminal illness for me all this time. And then, well, imagine it being uh, a significant other, a possible significant other that you could have been with that was hiding a terminal illness. Because you know how some things, like, you know, we just believe that people will be with us forever. Like, I have some friends in my life who I expect to be there with me for the rest of my life. It's almost like how we thought of Kobe, right? We thought Kobe would have been there forever. Just the impact he had on everything um, in the sports world, entertainment, just as a figure, motivational figure, as an athlete, we expected him to be immortal, right? And then boom, we find out he's not, right? And it's so like, I don't know, I've never imagined my friend's deaths. Like, I don't know, that's, that's such a weird, disgusting things to do to even imagine like i can imagine my own death right like you know what boom i died this way i died that way how are people gonna react i try to envision it and whatever you know to get some sense of how people uh view me as but i've never imagined my friend's deaths because like in a moment like that when you find out that the person that's always been with you for so long is going away your mind just gets rushed with so many emotions and sadness and like regrets and doubts and all this like 
damn, I wish I did that. I wish I did this. I wish I did that. All that, all those regrets, it just piles up. And bro, that would make me lose my mind if that ever happened. It's it's so scary. It's it's unimaginable, right? They made Omen go through so much BS in this movie. It's nuts. Imagine being terminally ill. And the last thing you do before you die is see the girl you wanted to get with get married. You go to her wedding. That's just like, <laughs> that's just the, the cherry on top to make it dang. You know what? Let's make us pity this guy so much. Let's give him all the sympathy in the world. And, you know, maybe I'm seeing all the negative sides of it. But because I'm not as selfless as a person as they portray Elman to be. But I'm sure he sees it in a positive light. Like, you know what? The girl I love is with the perfect person for her. Even though it should be me, she's with the perfect person for her. And I trust him enough to do a damn good job at being a lover and a husband and everything. Whereas I see it as, dang, that just sucks. This life was not meant to be. My kismet sucks. I want to do over. I want to reset. I want to rewind. The end, right? The saddest scene in Kalahonoho has to be uh, Aman's deathbed scene. They start playing the harpy instrumental, right? You're watching the movie. You feel it in your own heart that dang, that harpy, it's booming. It's booming. It got some bass to it. I feel it in my own soul, right? And the scene is just so, it's colored so beautifully. It's like toned down grays and blues. It looks so gloomy, right? And at this point, if you're not crying in the movie, you got no emotions in your heart, man. Like my, this movie put my heart on the sleeve and they were just stabbing it. They were like, yo, let's break this guy's heart right now. They turned my heart into glass and they hammered it. That's what the scene felt like. And what rewatching this movie again made me think of was who will I think of right before my death? Like as I'm parting off, what's my last thought? And Shit, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know if it's even worth thinking about because who knows when I'll die. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in 40 years. But I just hope my final thought isn't some whack-ass thought. Like, you know. Or not something selfish. I want to die happy. And death is such a scary thing, dude. Because you can't ask anybody what their last thought was. Is it going to be, you know, your belief in the religion? Is it going to be your family, your friends? The love of your life, your kids, maybe your plants, your pets. Like, there's so many possibilities. I can't even imagine what I would think of. Like, it really depends on the scenario and how I'm dying. But probably has to be family, right? Like, you're going to have to feel some sort of guilt dying and leaving everyone behind. Like, that's how I would see it. I would probably be super guilty dying um, no matter what age. Like, I'm leaving the world right now. And, you know. Uh, there has to be a time in your life where you feel like you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish and you fulfilled your role and everything, right? But, like, imagine dying before all that. Like, that's just, like, a major FOMO. Like, major fear of missing out everything. And I have major FOMO. Like, I have FOMO over dumb things, right? But I also have JOMO. Like, you know, joy of missing out. Maybe some people die and they're like, you know what? It's lit. I'm out of this mess. But I think in this scene... But I have to assume that Amun's last thought was Nana because he asked Rohit's permission to have Nana um, as a lover for the next life, right? Which is something 
you know, something to talk about as well. But I don't want to get into that. That's just like a, I don't know, it gives me the heebie-jeebies to think that, right? It's just like a, I wouldn't want to be in that position where I'm Rohit and I have to give another man my permission to have my wife be his wife in the future or in the next life. That's just a weird predicament. Like, of course, Rohit said yes, but does he really say yes? Like, I would never even come close to say yes to that. That's just like a weird situation. Coming back to the point about Oman's legacy and him leaving an imprint on everybody's life. Is it important to leave behind a legacy? Do you want to be remembered by something? And if so, what is it? I think when it comes to Amun, it's definitely his character. And, you know, the vibes. To always smile, be happy, make change, love. He did the job of an angel, and that was his legacy. Right? And what I realized the last time watching this movie was that uh, Rohit and Nana's daughter was named Priya. So, Nana and Rohit, well, let's say this. Nana named her daughter after her former love of her life's doctor. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, would I ever name my son after a girl I love who died? Her doctor. Hell no. Like, I get it if they named a son Amun, but the Bria thing, I don't know, it kind of took away from everything. And that was like the last final scene of the movie. And that's basically the movie. Uh, selfish love versus selfish love. I hope I shared all my thoughts because I took so many notes. You know, I didn't want to take a comedic angle with this podcast episode. Something more heartfelt because that's what the movie reminds me of. Uh, the comedy can wait for TikTok. You know, follow your boy on TikTok. TikTok coming soon. Uh, at Jai Poppy. But yeah, that's what this podcast was. I hope the experiences I shared or the thoughts I shared uh, gave you some sort of clarity or gave you a new angle to think things of. So I hope it was uh, beneficial to you. I sincerely do. And I feel great um, sharing all of this. It feels like a weight has gotten off my shoulder and I was able to get something off my chest that was there for so long. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, a couple more things I want to mention. Big thank you for all the day one listeners for Jeevesy Bot. Thank you for tuning in for the first episode. Um, and now the second. I enjoy all the feedback I get. All the love. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I love sharing the art that uh, I create or you know the feelings I express. I love getting feedback on it. And... Uh, there's going to be a bunch more coming your way. So stay tuned. Uh, please listen to a Gypsy Bot, the Amon Mathur collection on Spotify, Apple Music, all streaming platforms. The background music for this podcast was Made in Nana It's one of the two songs I curated for this uh, episode. It's Amon Mathur collection. You can stream it everywhere. It's a lo-fi twist on Bollywood, you know, using dialogue from the movie and some samples as well. So check it out, stream it, add it to your playlist, share it with your friends, make it go viral. Make me go viral, please. I want to get famous, please. Also, please check out my Instagram, at the Chai Poppy. I've been making a lot of content about Nuzzer. Uh, for October, I'm doing 31 days of Nuzzer. So artwork almost every day. Some days I skip it. But no Nuzzer, please. Uh, Nuzzer-tober. A lot of rebranding the Nuzzer, making cool art out of it, making merchandise, 
you know, making dope stuff. So check out uh, my Instagram. There's links to my store, ajeeb.bigcartel.com, and to my Instagram page, Ajeeb Apparel, on my main gram as well. So check out the stuff. If you like it, buy it, share it as well. I'm doing my hardest making dope content, making something original, clean, fresh, something that you want to wear and put it on. So check that out, please. And that's all for episode two of A Gypsy Bot, the Kalhonho episode. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a long wait. I can't uh, guarantee you that the wait for the next episode will be any shorter or just as long. I'll try my best to deliver some consistency out here. But thank you. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, be a Jeeb. Be Liddy. Uh, peace out.